Good morning, church family. Good to see you. Glad that we are here together to worship God. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you taking the time today uh, to worship God. Uh, If you haven't done so already, there are some uh, blue cards on the back of the pew in front of you. It's our attendance cards for visitors. If you don't mind taking a moment just to fill one of those out, uh, we'll pick those up at a later time. And of course, members, if you fill out that white card so we know who's here and who we may need to check on, we would appreciate that. The Lord is risen and we praise God for it. This morning, I want us to briefly and not in depth and not completely by any means talk about some of the things the Bible tells us about the importance of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. Porter read to us earlier in Luke chapter 20 or Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12. He read us the uh, Luke's account of the the resurrection of the first time that someone goes to the tomb, the ladies go to the tomb and they they find the tomb is empty. And you'll remember that uh, the angels are there and I love that angelic saying, "Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead. That was true 2,000 years ago at the tomb of Jesus. And for Christians today, the world could look and they could look for us and look for our old manner of life, our old person, the person that we used to be. Maybe if they knew us in the past and we would tell them we're a different person. We've had the opportunity because of Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection to have a death of our own, to be buried ourselves and to rise and walk in newness of life. We want to think about this morning the power of the resurrection. I love the story of the resurrection that was read to us. And again, I love that angelic saying, why do you seek the living one among the dead? But let's think about this morning, the significance. Why is, why is the resurrection so important? Now that's, that's kind of a silly question. You might think somebody who's dead coming back to life, that seems pretty significant, right? Uh, but this is more than a, a cheap parlor trick. This is more than, uh, than a neat trick, a, a neat story. You know, I, I've watched, uh, maybe you have two uh, shows like America's Got Talent and, and that sort of thing. And especially in recent years, there's been a lot of people who have come on on that show and they've got you know that close-up magic is that kind of their talent and they get right up in the judges faces and maybe you've watched them like I do and and they've got the camera right on them with the cards and and the moving of things and and if I'm honest I look at I, I don't know how they're doing it I don't know if you maybe you figured it out but then recently I've watched some uh uh, some YouTube videos or, or maybe a, a, you know, TikTok or something like that. And, and some of the very same tricks that those people were doing on America's Got Talent, I couldn't figure it out. These guys on, on TikTok or something like that, they'll do the trick and then they'll show you very simply how it's done. Looking at it from the outside in, I have no clue, but this person who knows about it and knows the tricks of the trade, he's able to, to show us very quickly and very easily how these things that look impossible, look amazing, how they actually happen. I think about, uh, illusionists like, uh, David Blaine who, who does uh, some, some really crazy things that, that are, are big and showy and, and, and dramatic. And I say, how in the world did he do those types of things? But in those same types of videos, one of them specifically, where uh, David Blaine and many others, I'm sure, have done things where they've been able to somehow seemingly levitate off of the ground. Well, there's this guy on TikTok who, who just shows you very simply how that kind of trick is done. Let me suggest to you, let me proclaim to you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is no mere parlor trick. He died. He died on the cross. He was buried He was there for three days, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave. And because of that fact, hope is offered to the world. 
What's significant about the death of Jesus? What's significant about the resurrection of Jesus? Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to know, go to a few different passages this morning, so I hope you have your, word of, your, your copy of the Word of God, and you'll turn with us. If you don't have a copy, there's a black book on the book back of the pew in front of you. Those are our pew Bibles, and I'm going to tell you what pages to turn to. Even if you're unfamiliar with it, let's turn to God's Word and see what God's Word tells us about the importance of the power of the resurrection. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll read verses 1 through 4 and then verses 10 through 14. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1006, page 1006. Hebrews chapter 10, let's look at verses 1 through 4 and then verses 10 through 14. For the law, okay, well let's stop there for just a second, that's where, how it starts, for the law. It's talking about the Old Testament, we live as Christians today, we live under the New Testament, we live under the, the law of Christ, the law of grace in Christ in the New Testament, but there was, before Christ came, there was an old law, an old set of rules, an old way that, that God told his people, specifically the Jews, that they needed to live. But the book of Hebrews specifically is about, over and over again, the new is better than the old, Christ is better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than anything that had ever come before. And you and I today as, as Christians have the privilege, and if you're not a Christian yet, you have the opportunity to live under something that is better. And he's going to describe here in Hebrews chapter 10 what used to be. God used to say, do it this way, but now here's something better, more complete, more accurate for what God really wants. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, the law can never, by the same sacrifice, which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect the one who draws near. Otherwise, they would have ceased to be offered, because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins, year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So in the old law, they were commanded to uh, a number of various different sacrifices, but over and over again, especially on the Day of Atonement, there was this one specific day that all the sins of Israel, of every individual in Israel, they would make this special sacrifice and those sins would be forgiven. Those sins would be removed from their life. But he says there, in this offering, it was a great day, a wonderful day they would have, would have celebrated. But in this offering, he says, there is a reminder every year about just how sinful they are. Now, I thought about this this morning as we were partaking of the Lord's Supper. How many of you, like me, have oftentimes, as you're partaking of the bread and you're partaking of the cup, you've thought, man, I'm glad that God has forgiven me for my sins. I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but what I want us to think about from Hebrews 10, 10 through 14, the next time you take communion, is he says, in those sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were reminded of their sins. Here in just a minute, he's going to talk about the goodness of the sacrifice of Jesus and how it's different than those sacrifices. I want to encourage you, the next time you partake of the Lord's Supper, don't be reminded of your sins, be reminded of your forgiveness. Be reminded of your forgiveness. In the old law, every year they were reminded, you're sinful, you're sinful, you're sinful. God doesn't want us to be reminded of that anymore. Instead, in Christ, if you are in Christ, he wants you to be reminded, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. That's powerful. I hope you'll take that with you. Look at verses 10 through 14. By this will, the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once 
for all. There were sacrifices every year, and there were tons of other sacrifices, weekly, daily, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But this says Jesus came one time, and he took care of all sin. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, waiting until the time until his enemies shall be put as his footstool for his feet. In Jesus, the the significance of the resurrection is that it starts with the death. The significance of what's going to happen is the fact that it starts with the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willing to make that sacrifice for us. What else is significant about the resurrection? In the resurrection, we have the hope of a new life. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul tells the the church there in Galatia, he says of himself, but I think he would want that to be true for those Christians in Galatia 2,000 years ago and true for us today in Cookville. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, in Jesus sacrifice we have an example an example not necessarily that we physically die but absolutely that we mentally assent to living for him which means we have to die to ourselves jesus says in luke chapter 9 and verse 23 that anyone who wants to follow after him must pick up his cross daily denying himself and follow after him we die to ourselves daily as christians now that doesn't sound so great does it to die to yourself but the reason we die to ourselves is because in order to have a new life a different life absolutely a better life you have to die to your old self in romans chapter 6 if you want to turn there if you're using the pew bible it's page 942 942 romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 5 it says or do you not know that all of us and this is talking about christians today all of us who were baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death Just as we were crucified with Christ, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we've been baptized into his death. Verse 3, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too, Christians, might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united into the likeness of his death, certainly, know for certain, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, we have in those verses the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what Paul defines as in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe. It's in one of those Corinthians letters. You read it, you'll find it. He defines the gospel as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And here in these verses, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, we see the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and also of ourselves. You see, again, in order to have a new life, a better life, in order to, if you're here this morning, as all of us are, and this is accurate for all of us, if you're here this morning and you've got things in your life you're not proud of, Jesus offers new life. He offers forgiveness of those past mistakes, and he offers something better. Not necessarily easier. I'm not going to lie to you this morning and butter you up and make it sound better than it is. The Christian life is not the easiest life. It's easier to just do whatever you want to do. It's easier to just go along with the crowd. But the better life, no doubt about it, is life in Christ. Following him and being who he has called us to be. And no, you won't do it perfectly. No one in this room will do it perfectly. No one in this room, I would say, would claim that we do it perfectly. But we strive to do it faithfully, following Jesus every day of our life. Will you be this morning, will you consider this morning, are you in a right relationship 
with God. What's significant about the resurrection? Not only is it the forgiveness that we can have, not only is it the new life that we can have, but it's the victory that we can have. In the book of Acts, if you want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, we'll be there in just a second. Acts chapter 3, 13 through 15. If you're using that pew Bible, it's page 911, 911. In the book of Acts, it's the history book of the Bible. It's the history book of the New Testament specifically. We learn everything we know about the, the actions of the church and the, as it begins in the book of Acts. The, the entire t- title of the, uh, of the book itself is the Acts of the Apostles. Okay, We learn about what do the apostles do to set up the church? What do those young Christians do uh, as they began the church? What did the church look like when it first started? And if we'll do what they did that was pleasing to God, then we'll also be pleasing to God. That's why it's important for us to study the book of Acts. Notice this. In the first three gospel sermons... The first three sermons about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The first three sermons that, that people preach to people who are not Christians, and those people, some of them at least, become Christians. Really, many of them become Christians. In each one of them, you, you can find this in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Acts 3, 13 through 15. We'll read that in a second. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33. In each one of those, we see that every time the importance and the significance of the resurrection is proclaimed. It's not just, hey, live a better life. It's not just, hey, you need to be a better person. It's not just, hey, be impressed with Jesus' sacrifice. He was willing to die for you. All of those things are in there. But every single time that a gospel message is preached, the resurrection has to be preached. Because without the resurrection, there is no good news. The sacrifice alone of Jesus is not good news. If he would have just died, he would have been a martyr, but not a savior. Do you hear me? He would have been a martyr, but not a savior. But because he resurrected from the grave, he is, wants to be your savior. And he is, for Christians, our savior. Look over to Acts chapter 3. Let's read verses 13 through 15. I love the, uh, the, the, the illustration, the words that, uh, that is used here in this, in this part of the sermon. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Let me make sure that I got to the right spot. Um, Acts chapter 3. Verses 13 through 15. Romans 3, it's good, but it's not what we're looking for. Acts chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And notice these words right here. This is beautiful to me. But put to death the author of life. Put to death the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Put to death the author of life. Maybe you look at your life this morning and and again, maybe you're not pleased with how things are going. Maybe things haven't gone your way in your job. Maybe things aren't going your way in your family. Maybe you've got struggles. Maybe you've got difficulties. Maybe you're self-aware enough to realize that a lot of your problems are because of you, that you've caused a lot of your problems. That your selfishness or your sinfulness or your unwillingness to, to love and support other people, your, your arrogance rather than your humility, whatever it might be, any number of things different for you than it is for me and different for me than it is for you. But have you noticed, can you recognize, are you self-aware enough that a lot of your problems are because of things that you've done? Maybe you look at your life and you say, this is not where I want to be. This is not who I want to be. This is not the life that I want to live. Who do you think can change that? I'd suggest to you the author of life, the author of life can change your story. The author of life offers you a a new life, a different life, a, a, a change in what's going on 
in your life. You see, the significance of the resurrection is not only the forgiveness, it is this new life and it is this victory that these early Christians in the book of Acts over and over again, they did not miss the opportunity to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus. In Philippians, Paul tells us uh, that he wants us to know the power of his resurrection. It's not just the story of the resurrection. He wants us to know that there is power in the resurrection. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, Paul tells Timothy there and those Christians at Ephesus, he tells them that Christ has abolished death. What is the power of the resurrection? There's significance. There's a beautiful story with, with amazing words and, and it's so beautifully uh, described for us and written down for us. But what's what's the power of the resurrection? And I don't just mean the power of the resurrection. Yes, it's, it's a powerful thing that a dead man came back to life and I believe that this morning do you believe that this morning that Jesus Christ came back to life there's power and there's power not just not just that some 2,000 years ago there was a man dead in a tomb and he came back to life and the stone was rolled away and he walked out of there and he appeared to people for 40 days 500 people at once and people can can witness to it and they did witness to it and they suffered because of that witness but they they decided I will not deny what I know to be true They saw Jesus, a man who was dead, died on a cross. They saw him alive again. And they were proud to proclaim that no matter what it cost him. But there's power for us today too. What is the power of the resurrection? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 it says, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me suggest to you the power of the resurrection is the power of the gospel. And that power is the power of salvation. If you have your Bibles, again, turn to Romans chapter 10. Let's read verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's page 946, 946. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The importance, the power, the significance of the resurrection, not only then, but also now. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You will be saved. Now, that is not all that it says, and that's not all the Bible says about the salvation that we can have in Christ Jesus. But what does that verse say? If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, we'll come back to that, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This morning, Christian, do you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead? Are you living like it? Has it made a difference in your life? Let me suggest to you, and again, I know it's a struggle sometimes. I struggle as much as anyone else. But if we're not living a different life in this newness of life, then maybe we don't believe in the resurrection as much as we claim to believe. If I truly believe that the Son of God left heaven above, came and lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and victoriously rose from the grave, if I truly believe that, then I will live a different life. Why? Because that belief in the resurrection of Jesus will lead me to proclaiming him as the Lord of my life. And if you don't get anything else from this lesson this morning, I hope there's other things, but if you don't get anything else from this lesson this morning, if you are a Christian, is Christ the Lord of your life? That is the most important thing. Listen, The miraculous resurrection of a dead man is a great story. And I believe it to be true. But that doesn't automatically make a difference in my life. I have to proclaim that I believe that he is the resurrected son of God. 
and I have to confess him and name him as my Lord. I do that with my mouth, but I also do that with my actions. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus says, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. One day, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. One day, you're going to be in the presence of God. And Jesus is going to be there too. And either he will tell the father, yes, this is my child, this is my brother, this is our family, this is my follower. Or he'll say, depart from me, I've never known you. And the way that he will know us is not because of our deeds, but because of our commitment. Are you committed to Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life? Look at verse number 10 of Romans chapter 10. For with the heart a person believes, and that leads to righteousness, And with the mouth he confesses, and that leads to salvation. Notice it doesn't say that it automatically saves you, but that it leads to salvation. If you name and if you live, more importantly, as Jesus, as your Lord, then you'll do what he says. And you'll do the things that the Bible teaches, God's word teaches us, that leads us to salvation. That leads us to salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it tells us we're saved by grace through faith, not according to our works, because we can't boast in our works. God's grace absolutely saves us. It comes to, and we have the opportunity to partake of it through Christ Jesus. But over and over again, I've mentioned, and I hope you've noticed, that this, many of the things we talked about this morning are for Christians, are for people who are in Christ. The, The question this morning that I have for you is, are you a Christian? Are you in Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus? If we go back to Romans chapter 6 as we close this morning. Again, Romans chapter 6. If you want to turn there in your Bibles again, page 942 in the Pew Bible. Let's read verses 1 through 5 and then verse 8. And the lesson will be yours. What's the power of the resurrection? It's significant because it offers forgiveness to those who are sinful. That's you. That's me. It's significant because it offers us a new life, not only in this world, but in the life to come. It offers us life with God forever. It's significant because there is a victory to be had in a battle that you are facing that you cannot win. There's only victory in Christ Jesus. Are you a Christian today? Notice what Paul tells the Christians in Rome, in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Grace is a wonderful thing. I want more grace. Should I continue in sin so that grace may increase? Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin, remember we've been crucified with Christ, we've died to ourselves, we've died to sin. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ, are you in Christ? How does the Bible tell us we get into Christ? We're baptized into Christ. Now listen, that's not a work that saves you. The baptism, you walking up the stairs back here and dunking under the water, the act of that does not save you. But your obedience to Christ as Lord and him telling us over and over and over again in the Bible, be baptized into me for the remission of your sins. If Jesus is your Lord, if you claim he's your Lord and you haven't been baptized into him, Let me suggest to you humbly, you're missing something. You're missing something. Why not take that step today? If you've been baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Go down to verse number 8. Here's the difference that it makes in your life. And if it hasn't made this difference, 
then it's really made no difference at all. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. That means you get to live with him today. Today, right now, you get to have the opportunity to live with Christ, for him to be your Lord, to him to to lead you, and for you to choose if you're going to follow him or not. He's not going to force you to. He's not going to tie a chain around your neck and drag you around. You have the choice to whether you're going to follow him or not. Where does he say that he will lead us? In John chapter 14, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many places. There's plenty of room in God's house. And that's where I'm going, Jesus says, to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. He told the apostles on that day, you can't come with me right now, but one day you'll come with me. He says the same thing to us. He offers life beyond this life, but he also offers us life right now. You notice at the bottom of our signs for our yearly theme that Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have life worth living. The world offers you life. The world offers you pleasure that comes with pain. The world offers you things that you will enjoy that will last for a moment. God offers you more. Jesus came so that you could have true life, not only life to come. Yes, absolutely, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with God in heaven. That's where I'm going. I'm not there yet, but that is where I'm going. But God offers you and Jesus came so that you can have real, true, meaningful, good life here on earth. Are you a follower of Jesus this morning? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God? Have you named him as your Lord and then far more importantly than saying the words, have you showed it with your actions? Do you believe Jesus is the resurrected Son of God. Is He the Lord of your life? This morning, there's a lot of things that that entails, but I really want to encourage you that if you think about the, the resurrection of Jesus, He had to die first, He was buried, and then He was resurrected. And we see in Scripture, especially Romans 6, but there's a lot of other places. I've got to die to myself. I bury that old man of sin and shame in baptism, and I rise again to walk in newness of life. If you haven't done that this morning, We want to help you. We want to study with you. You don't have to make that action right now. But if you're ready for it, we're ready for you. But if you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, not just an acquaintance of Jesus, not just somebody who kind of knows about Jesus, if you're ready to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, a Christian this morning, so that in the same way you can be joined in the likeness of his death, that one day in the future, and then maybe even today, you can rise to walk in a new life now and have a hope of a future life for with, with ever, forever with God in heaven. If you have any needs, if you've got struggles, if you've got things that you, you are going through, everybody has things we're going through. Christians have hope because of Christ. If you need that this morning, we would love to have the opportunity to talk to you. In just a second, Jacob's going to stand up and he's going to lead us in a song. We're all going to stand and sing in just a moment. Uh, we do that here. If you're unfamiliar with what we do here, uh, we do that so you have the opportunity to come down here and sit on one of these front pews and, and you can talk to me. Some of our shepherds might come and they'll talk to you and, and we'll let people know as, as much or as little detail as you want us to know, but we'll, we'll pray for you and we'll pray. We, and it won't just be words. Whoever leads the prayer, it won't be their words that's so powerful, but it'll be the God that we approach in prayer that's powerful. And we want to do that for you on your behalf if you're interested in doing that. But if that, if that makes you uncomfortable, if you're not all about that, that's fine. But if you've got struggles in your life, if you've got difficulty, if you've got shortcomings, if you need to make a change in your life, make that change. If you want to see us afterwards, we'll be around. 
We just want to help you. Again, I, I'm going to heaven. And I want you to go too. And I'm not going to heaven because I'm a great guy. Uh, I'm not so great. But I serve a great God who died for me, was buried, and rose again. And he gives me the hope of eternal life. If you're interested in that kind of hope, we want to talk to you about it. If there's anything we can do for you this morning, we ask you to come as we stand and as we sing.